I don't RSVP to the party. I am the party. <laughs> I may be a writer, but I'll still read you like a book. When I have a new person or a continued, you know, bring it on back guest who just kills it with the tagline. Like that is a classic housewives tagline and I'm here for it. You guys, it's Andy's girls. It's episode. I actually think I do know the number, which is why it's I'm sure wrong. 398 ish is what I think we're going to be. That's that's what I'll say. I'll speak that into existence. And I'm so excited to have a new guest on the people's people zoom kiki couch, etc. Zoom in all the way. I think think from London town you know him as writer and housewives anthropologist whose credits include Vice, Vogue, Rolling Stone which we'll get to among many other welcome to Andy's girls Louis Staples. Louis how are we? I'm fab that was an amazingly glamorous <laughs> introduction. I feel like Dorinda Medley on the Upper East Side about to take a car to some sort of fabulous event. Speaking of any number of iconic housewives, before we dive in, I do have to say, I'm not going to talk about the details of the situation because it's the dumbest thing that's happened of all time. But I don't know if this has happened to you. But I, and I, I guess it's like new to iPhones or whatever, but I just got like a long critical text message that I started to read and the person unsent it. So, it was, so now I don't, I feel like this is, but if I was on Housewives, I would be calling up, I would be doing a Zoom with like five different co-stars and possibly one to three friends of like, do I not acknowledge it? Do I post a passive aggressive Instagram story that I just received something with a picture of Gwyneth Paltrow in court? Like, what do I do? <laughs> I absolutely did not know that you could unsend messages. Like, that's insane. So I know you can edit them because I've seen people who are tech savvier than I am do that. But then it, so then the text reads like edited. So you don't necessarily, okay, if you haven't seen it at the time, it was It doesn't tell edited, you what the original edit was. Like you can't look and no, see. Okay. I don't think so. Also, I am like literally terrible at technology. So now if you go to this person's thing, it just said so-and-so unsent a message. And it, it okay. was like a literal, it was like very long and not, not the most positive thing that I'll see today. And it wasn't like, you know, on your phone when it flashes up and you can sort of see like the notification at the start of the message. Like, can you still see that or is that gone as well? No, it's gone. Like I saw it the second because I was looking. I happened to be looking at my phone. So I saw it the second it appeared and it was there for probably a minute, but it was very long. So I started to read it and then I was like, and then this person unsent it. And I was like, oh, so should I pretend that this didn't happen or am I just waiting for something worse to be sent well, my it's, way it's like they say say it forget it write it regret it <laughs> <laughs> they needed to talk to Dorinda and Tyler just to be clear with the the listeners I thought you were talking about unsending an iMessage I didn't realize you could do that but I, oh. I knew you could do it on WhatsApp 
So just so people don't think I'm like fully technologically illiterate, I did know that you could do it on WhatsApp, but I didn't know that you could do it on iMessage. So I thought that's what you were talking about. Oh, I am one of the few people in the world who doesn't use WhatsApp to the extent that like I, yeah, I had a, this crazy, the most romantic rom-com style, like met someone in London at a jazz club. We started talking in line Then he had like a worse seat when we got inside like a midnight performance. And I said, um, you can join me at my table, just like being friendly. And we started to talk. And then he said, after, do you want to go for a walk? This was at like midnight. We ended up walking for six or seven hours through London through during from like like midnight to literally after sunrise he gave me essentially a walking tour of London this guy who works for whatever and then he walks me back to my hotel it was like the most rom-com experience I was just about to say I know it was crazy and he was walking me by all the private clubs and like telling me about all that stuff and then we get back we walk he walks me back to my hotel and he's like, essentially like, what's your WhatsApp? And I said, I don't know what that is. So I gave him my business card and never heard from him again. But, um, but yeah, I don't use WhatsApp. I guess I'm not So cool. for me, WhatsApp is like, interestingly, I do iMessage a few people and the people that I iMessage are like the closest people to me, like my mother. Mm. But like, I use WhatsApp to talk to more people, but like, I never... Like if if there's a new person, I'll just like start on WhatsApp, right? But like there's a few like old school, the OGs of my life are like still iMessage people. But yeah, I I, I don't know it well enough. I don't use it enough to know that you can even unsend a message. What's the world coming to? Everything's changing. I would love to see a housewives <laughs> moment with unsent messages though. Like I would love it. Although there kind of was actually, I think. On um, there was one where I think it was maybe Karen. I mean, don't quote me on this. It got mentioned like messages that ended up being unsent on like a group text or something. And it was like a whole drama. Um, oh. But yeah, I would be into like a housewife, housewives unsent messages drama. Because I feel like there is always some form of political strategy for which housewife is left off a group thread. That happens. So like for for an individual show, they might have five different group threads depending on who is on the outs at any given point in time, which would, for me, from like a FOMO perspective and also neuroses paranoia, that that would be my trigger. That would be my trigger. Yeah, like imagine if you went through an entire season like thinking that you were on like the inner like the inner sanctum thread mm. with like Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump when they were friends and then you realized that they like all had their own like without you to like even like another layer of strategizing that you weren't even involved in I think I would I think I would lose my mind is what I think I would be so I think that would be the thing like I would come in I am that dumb that I would come into the reunion hot like, I wouldn't be able to get past it because I was like, why did you leave me off the thread? That would just, that would be mm. too, a, a, a text too far for me. My Burn thing, it all down. My thing would be like, I don't think I could do these shows because I like fully cannot stand it when people like blatantly lie. And like, mm. like essentially that's like what half these shows are like, like, especially if there wasn't camera footage to back it up. Like if there was camera footage to back it up, I'd be like, lie, 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 lie away. And then they can play the tape. Like it would be quite iconic. I, I love a gotcha when Bravo, you know, goes back and shows what actually happened. Like the, the Chris smiling gate. Um, but Eddie smiling, smiling Eddie, smi- Eddie. Eddie smiling and Chris like looking asking at about her name or something <laughs> when she actually asked him. <laughs> Ordering a drink at the bar. How yeah, literally, literally like. 
ordering your wine, then honestly having like a the type of conversation you have with someone you don't want to speak to. Like, so that was an amazing gotcha. But yeah, the like lying about stuff that happened off camera, like just like talking out of your ass would just like annoy me to the point where I think I would just feel like I was losing my mind. Like it would just become too much. You know what? That brings up an interesting point because we were talking before we started recording about some of your incredible pieces, which I highly recommend that people do the Google, do the follow, read, read it, read it, read it, mention it all, um, including two recent pieces that you've written for Rolling Stone about all things housewives. One, which just came out, breaking news, uh, <laughs> about the experience of interpreting the most recent or maybe just all of the um, Ultimate Girls Trip series uh, each season through the lens of Survivor and this mm-hmm. idea of reality TV competition who's getting voted off the island style energy to Girls Trip. And I have I'm like riding a little bit of a struggle here with Girls Trip because it's getting into what we're talking about, which is the ways that some of these housewives are interpreting their current drama, knowing that their co-stars either A, don't know who they are on Girls Trip or B, haven't seen the episodes which haven't aired so they can say Literally anything happened that is either incomplete or untrue in order to, I think, win some of these people over. And I was curious for your reaction to that because of the timing of this girl's trip. So Potomac hadn't aired the current eps being discussed, obviously Salt Lake as well. Um, And neither were those, I think, reunions filmed. What's your kind of reaction to this new energy with season three? Yes. So um, amazing question. Obsessed. So Brian Moylan, who I know is a friend of the show, um, and I were talking about this very topic recently. And yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like time travel, because we're going back in a moment to before these reunions were filmed, but after the seasons were filmed. So everything that we saw in the reunion for Salt Lake and Potomac is like the most recent time. That's the the time they've gone head to head the most recently. So that's where we're assuming they've left it. But yeah, then we're having to go back to this really awkward middle ground where, as you say, the rest of the cast on Girls Trip haven't seen it. We have seen it. The Housewives themselves haven't seen how it's edited. So it's like really messy. I honestly do not understand the thought process behind... Like, to me, they literally could have had the... Salt Lake and Potomac reunions, like, they literally could have had, like, one, like, done girls trip in between them or done girls trip just before and then air both of them. I don't understand how that was beyond Bravo's capabilities to arrange that because it's very frustrating as a viewer. I will say, though, I love girls trip. I basically, like, this is literally why I watch these shows. Like, I love, I love, like, all the beyond the camera stuff, which is, I, it's like a weird thing for me. It's like a love-hate because sometimes I feel like it takes away from these shows when it becomes like all about that. But what I kind of love about Girls Trip is that it's like this designated area where it's like, that's essentially what the show is about to me. It's like, if the normal shows are a show about a show, Girls Trip is like a show about a show about a show. Like it's like another layer of meta. So I kind of like that Girls Trip is this area where they do talk about all that stuff all the time because it's essentially what it's like all these women have in common like being a real housewife right so they don't really have it they can't not talk about it 
So it's like when it's when it takes over too much of the main shows, like all that stuff about the show, it kind of can become a bit tiresome. On Girls Trip, I feel like I'm not quite there yet with the tiresomeness because I just love hearing all the like little snippets of information. Like I love hearing about like who got who on the show and like all that stuff that they can't really talk about on the main show unless at a reunion. I kind of love seeing all of that play out in a group setting. Um, I think that the the Survivor thing is super interesting because I don't think it's necessarily just Girls Trip, but I think that Girls Trip is where the Survivor element kind of almost intensifies because it can sort of be a little bit of like a last chance saloon for some of these housewives, mm-hmm. especially if we're thinking about the ex-wives club one. That's essentially like almost like a a training pen where they're, they're like sort of like test the, where they're like re like you know like the the beginner slope on the ski slope where they're like mm-hmm. it's like these wives haven't been you know in the game so they're letting them like learn how to ski again or whatever and then they're seeing who the fans like so i kind of think the desperation there was particularly intense because all the women were very aware that like this could be you know this could be my big break like they were all like desperate to be like getting asked back on the show and look what happened you know Tamara's back on the show Taylor's obviously returned to OC well not returned gone to OC for the first time but returned to Housewives um so it's definitely been proven as a vehicle back but also on the sort of regular ones with the Housewives that are mostly still on these shows it's interesting because it is a kind of chance to show a different side to themselves and I think that that's sort of the thing that I think has gone wrong a little bit with this season of Girls Trip in the sense that um, they've got these housewives from the same franchises who are in these big fights. So we're sort of relitigating these fights over and over again, as opposed to like seeing a different side to them. Like in the first Ultimate Girls trip, we saw like a really different side to Kenya. And like, it was kind of nice to like see these women outside of their fran- uh, their show so we could see a different side to them. Whereas we're just kind of hearing about Heather being a woman and, you know, the black eye and Giselle versus Candace, like, over and over again. I think where these women are really excelling is when, like, Giselle is forming an alliance with Portia or Candace and Leah. I'm really enjoying what... I'm really enjoying that kind of, like, these people making teams with other people. I think that's kind of fab, but I'm not loving the endless, like, talk about the Salt Lake City season three fights over and over and over again. I think that's a little bit repetitive. Um, So I think those are where it's losing me, but I'm still loving all the, like the fourth wall minutiae, I think I just like, I could listen to these women talking about being Real Housewives all day. It is also interesting when you think about the ways that they even sort of use the language of friendship versus alliance because, and, and how that can factor into their quote unquote gameplay. Like the way that Heather was like, listen, Whitney, it's not that you dislike me. It's not that you have reason to dislike me or that, Um, I should believe your feelings of being dismissed. In fact, I'm going to say that the only reason you ever talked about feeling minimized in our friendship is because your husband lost his job. So you lied the entirety of that season. So now it's not even a question of me minimizing your feelings. I'm now saying they were hyper-produced and never real. It's so, that accusation was such an amazing sort of amazing piece of this whole puzzle and there was more stuff that came out in the most recent episode wasn't there about Whitney essentially saying that Heather got her on the show and that she sort of felt like she had to be sort of 
I guess her foot, so- foot soldier of sorts mm-hmm. when she came on the show, which is, I guess, a dynamic that we're familiar with, right? That often happens on Housewives. But um, yeah, the whole husband lost his job. So you created a fight with me to stay on the show. And she actually, I'm pretty sure Heather used the word, it became a matter of survival, which was kind of a bit of the basis of the piece that I just wrote because she said her staying on the show was a matter of survival, which I thought was like an interesting way of putting it and then at the very start of the whole thing the first person to speak on a confessional was Portia and the producer asked what do you bring to these show what do you bring to this that none of the other women have and she went I have survived the Real Housewives of Atlanta so it's sort of interesting that these women are constantly putting it in terms of survival themselves because um they're obviously viewing it in that way like I think towards the end of every season on these shows there must become this kind of like Lord of the Flies style like vibe of like oh my god who is going to be the villain of this season because that person is probably going to get the boot which is a shame because I think the fans I think Bravo can kind of get a bit caught up in the fans disagreeing with someone's behavior and then thinking that that person then needs to be fired which is a difficult balance to strike right because Sometimes someone can do something which I do think is a fireable event, which is terrible, you know, like some, something really bad. But then sometimes it's just like they're disagreeing with how that person's handled a friendship or a situation. And I, I don't necessarily think just be- I think sometimes Bravo doesn't distinguish between this sort of backlash, which is like this person is like way out of whack and has done maybe they've done something really harmful, you know, um, and then just this person is someone who I don't really like. Because I think these shows do need um, a mixture. I mean, I hate to preempt because, you know, I like to let Bravo do their jobs because they've given us amazing shows over so many years. But Beverly Hills inviting everyone, everyone in their... Trigger warning. Trigger warning. (laughs) Beverly Hills inviting everyone who's ever so much has been in the background of a a shot (laughs) to film. It's not a good sign. I mean, is Kevin... Party planner Kevin gonna be holding a diamond by the end of this. Like they're literally asking anybody and their Lucy Lucy apple juicy to perform, and it's actually crazy to me. Like it doesn't really show a sign of strength, does it? After they've just gotten rid of one of their main characters, but now every single person who's been fired ever is now showing up. I mean, if if I was Lisa Rinna sitting in that rat infested mansion, I would be pretty happy right now. god and also <laughs> i just need to take a moment and also meredith marks maybe filmed brooks Megan king edmonds maybe filmed for beverly don't we see enough of meredith who i really do enjoy but like keep her in salt lake she's not important enough to the housewives universe to be on beverly hills and also megan, megan. put megan in orange county or like do something in st louis or whatever don't bring Megan King Edmonds in Beverly Hills? Like, are did we run out of people? Did they play a game of casting MASH? Like, Mansion Apartment Shack House, Meredith Marks, Megan King Edmonds? Like, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah, it, it's extremely, like, troubling. Like, if there, was one, if there was one time it was appropriate for Megan to show up, it was during the whole Erica situation when she could have, like, yes. investigated. Oh. 
I mean, we had mm. we had Sutton who did a good job of you know ruffling up that whole situation. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna preempt it because to be honest with you, it might just be that these people make like two second cameos. Like I don't think there's gonna be like drama with Meredith. You know what I mean? She's gonna show up and be like. <laughs> hi, I'm here to support you. And then like, go away. Like that. And then it's going to be like so-and-so's friend. Like, and then that's going to be it. They love to do that. So I don't think we're going to have like big scenes with all these people. Like I think Camille and Denise will have a scene and then Kim will have, I think Kim's going to probably have a few scenes because I saw an Kim's interview. Kim's going hiking. Yeah, I right. saw an interview yep, with Kyle where Kim, they spoke after the hiking. They're on a red carpet. I can't remember what event it was, but they were being interviewed by a journalist. And he said, are you going to do more? And Kim was sort of like, yeah, I'm taking it day by day, but I think I'm going to be making a few appearances this season. So I think, and she also said that Andy phoned her two years ago and has been phoning for the last two years to have her back. So I think Kim is going to be like, maybe definitely like a kind of friend of, but I don't, I see like Denise and Camille being kind of like, just like guest appearances really. But yeah, in in any case, my point still stands. I feel like they're dangling all these like shiny things over the fans, particularly the fans that didn't like Lisa Rinna, of course, which of which there were many. They're kind of bringing back all the people that like had fallouts with Lisa Rinna onto the show. But also it's kind of just like, it is giving slight de- desperation. I'm not going to lie, but we'll have to see. Okay. And the reason that I said trigger warning when you started talking about Beverly Hills is because I was concerned that you were going to say because Lisa Rinna should still be there, which you have every right to say if you feel that hashtag safe space. I am curious, though, for your thoughts aside aside from even though I understand that it's connected, but aside from seeing everyone and their mother back in some capacity on BH, which could be because they're throwing pasta at the wall. It it also could be because there was an opportunity and they figured why not. Like we're seeing OG's return on Atlanta. We love an OG cameo in Rest in Peace New York. Like may its memory be a blessing when Jill would pop up to light a fucking Christmas tree. Like because Menorah apparently for us was unavailable. Like it, it just, God bless. But do we think that firing Rinna was wrong? Oh, so I think that Rinna, I honestly think there are parallels between Rinna and Dorinda's exits from the show um, to the point where I think, honestly, no one who's not, anyone who's a real fan of these shows and isn't completely blinded by like Twitter, Housewives, fandom wars or whatever, can appreciate that both of those women have made an amazing contribution to the shows that they were in. And also that they joined quite late on, but then kind of almost felt a little bit like OGs because they were on the show for so long. Um, but who then is they, the both that you speak of? I'm talking about Lisa Rinna and Dorinda, who both okay, got arrived. I think Rinna arrived season five, Dorinda season seven. So they kind of were around for a long time and had a big run, but they eventually became kind of different people to the people that people loved and I think there was definitely a kind of darkness surrounding both of their final seasons Mm. on the show or final seasons so far I think what I think was the right decision was definitely a pause for Rinna I don't think this is going to be the last we're going to see of her um and I think just just for the show purposes I can totally understand why they decided to um part ways purely because it does kind of free up the the dynamics on that show to change and I think that it had become very entrenched the sort of allegiances because I think the irony is that the women I think became quite good friends in that kind of clique 
but then that ended up harming the show because it sort of felt like they never went against each other and that um, there was double standards with loads of behavior, which is ironically kind of how real people behave. So that's reality, quote unquote, but it was frustrating for the fans. Um, so yeah, I think that I think maybe I would have demoted her to friend for one season. Like, you know how they did that to Luann and she kind of came back and it kind of actually was good for her in the end to have a season of not being a housewife. I think that they could have taken away her diamond, could have said to her, listen, you need to stop posting so much on social media. You're ruining the show with all your posts on social media. You can't be being horrible about production. We don't want you giving away everything. We like want you to be like having a little bit of dignity and decorum. And then if you manage to have a good season, then we can talk. I think that would possibly have been the better take than to do a complete severing of ties. Because as I said, she's so, she's good friends with Erica. She's good friends with Kyle. She had been on the show for so many years that to then have this woman kind of like disappear as if she's died from their lives, it feels a bit weird. So I think I would have liked to have had her in a lower status, but still on the show. And then we could have seen where we went as opposed to like a out and out firing. And by the signs of things, Kathy isn't even filming now. So I'm a bit like, did they do that? Hoping that Kathy was going to stay on the show? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's possible. I wonder if they thought maybe we have to choose between having Kathy and Kyle's whole sister drama on this season and getting really into all of that or having Lisa Rinna on the show. And they made the decision to go with Kathy and Kyle's story. I wonder if that was the plan but then Kathy doesn't seem to have been I mean so far it's still kind of early in their season I think but she's not been filming and I don't love the I don't love it when people show up like halfway through it feels I don't think it ever works like when Brandy showed up and then it was like we didn't have a storyline and then Brandy just randomly showed up with all this stuff it just felt very inauthentic and then I think it was kind of the same when Kathy showed up and honestly I think that Kathy's showing up so late on, you know, there was all those rumors about how she'd asked for like millions of dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. I think that that was a big part of the, like, you could almost see this kind of resentment from the other women that, that here she was waltzing in, maybe getting paid more than some of like the housewives on that show to film half a season as a friend of. And then I guess was talking about her tequila or whatever. And you could sort of feel like there was, I'm not sure they could say this in front of the camera, but it was very like, oh, so she just gets to turn up, get paid loads, not put in the hours that we do and talk about her tequila night and day. I think that was really kind of the driver of the hostility towards her. So I think, yeah, they need to start off more in like a level, like start from the beginning. I want to see all the things go through for a whole season rather than have someone showing up for like five episodes at the end, you know? Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. 
when my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is... Looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side? Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luanne? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options. And it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. 
With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's roco slash andysgirls. Sign up today. When it comes to authenticity, is there um, a recent storyline or moment that you felt was particularly authentic where you were like, wow, even though a lot of the turmoil on the show is specifically because these women are on this show, like whereas often even some of these authentic fights can be fighting about the show Mm. while filming the show. Is there a moment of authenticity on any of the franchises where you're like, wow, this is a moment that feels grounded in truth, regardless of like the levels of toxicity that might be percolating? Well, I think that New Jersey is really interesting in that regard. And I think that Jennifer Aiden's marriage storyline, I think I would say is extremely uncomfortable to watch because it feels so dark and so real. And it feels like a story, let's be honest, <laughs> the, the long, the long, running fans of Housewives, we've seen Shannon Vador next to that gravestone on the ground. You know, here lies Shannon Vador. Like, here lies Jen Aiden. You know, we've seen it before. So we know how this story ends, and it's just, like, extremely painful to see it unfold. So I think there's that. I really loved the kind of, like, drunk girl moment at the New Jersey um, shore party between Jackie and Jen when Jackie was, like, kind of nice about... um, what Bill had been saying about the kids. I thought that was cute, especially because they've had quite a difficult history. And honestly, like you said, fights about the show. I think it's like what I said earlier. These shows are shows about a show. You know, I'm not the first person to say that, whatever. It's just like, especially shows like New Jersey, which have been going on for so long. They are a show about a show. And I think that the fight between Teresa and Melissa, well, the Gorgas versus Teresa, I think it feels authentic to me. I think it feels annoying but I and it's like repetitive and like irritating as a viewer in some ways but I do think it's authentic like I don't like I think they genuinely like fucking hate each other like and I think that there's a lot of pain there that we're seeing and it's like watching people that basically can't communicate like try to communicate so I think that's authentic I mean it's not always the best viewing but I think that I mean do you agree you looked kind of surprised when I said that do you think it's inauthentic I do agree. That person that sent me oh. text just sent a follow-up. Oh my god. That starts with Sarah, I, I hope this finds you well. Oh my <laughs> so god. I think that they rewrote it. So we'll that'll be an after show moment. Um no, when it comes to authenticity, I think you're exactly right. And we often think of, you know, like what's the overarching theme or the overarching argument of some of these franchises? You know, what are they what what is the vibe that emanates and i feel like we so often including definitely myself talk about new jersey as being a show about family you mm-hmm. know it's always been family. a show about family my daughter <laughs> my daughter in- including obviously families who participate in the show together and the onboarding of that you know the inciting incident with teresa and melissa show specific which is long standing was has always been 
did Melissa join the show without telling Teresa, which is an argument that will go on seemingly until the end of time. And I was just listening to you talk and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, it feels like right now the argument or maybe argument structure on New Jersey is symbolism because every single thing that Teresa, Melissa, Joe, and to a certain extent, Louie, and then the others, when you think of Marge and the Arsenal stuff, it's all about symbolism. It's all about, look, the example that I'm going to give to you of the thing that this person said to me either 15 seconds ago or eight years ago is symbolic of who they are as a person and the way that they're trying to fuck with me, which to me is why that like beach party with bacon was so interesting because you're watching Teresa and Melissa and Joe and Louie at an awkward phase of whatever his dynamic is within the group, within the collective, uh, all say this person saying that thing is symbolic of who they are. And that might seem normal because when you're fighting with someone, of course you're going to be, or if you don't trust someone, of course you're going to be looking at every example of their behavior as an examination of the entirety mm. of who they are. But I just feel like because these people look at each other's actions as only symbolic of their worst intent, there's no way to get past that point. Like language matters, I'm sure, but so does history. And right now the history of symbolism is leading the way. That's such a fascinating way of looking at it. I've never thought about that before in that way. And it's true, but I actually think that there's something almost relatable about that because I think that we all are maybe guilty of that in a way. Like Totally. I can't, I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with friends over the years. I mean, maybe you're in the middle of one now. But like the arguments with friends over the years I've had where it's like the straw that broke the camel's back is something that's like, to me or to them about me, completely illustrative of my entire, like their entire problem with me. Like... Th- whether, I don't know, it's like being late for something or like, I don't know, just like doing one thing that to them sums up like how entitled you are, like, like whatever their bugbear is with you or whatever mine is with them. I think this straw that breaks the back is always that. And I think that we're going to see, I mean, they've teased what's going to happen, right? About Teresa saying something about their marriage or like Melissa kissing some guy or like something. That seems to be the straw that breaks this, like that really breaks this back of this argument. Um, So I think that you're right. Like, it's definitely like that. But I think the trouble is with New Jersey is that, like, they're all quite hard. Like, there's no one on that cast that hasn't done... And maybe apart from Dolores, who has not done, like, some quite bad things to to each other. (laughs) Like, I mean, the newbies are, like... I think this is quite hard, this season, for those newbies, because it's hard to get your... Have your voice in a season which is about these kind of long-running conflicts that... yeah where like there's so much as you said symbolism and history there that i feel like half these scenes with these newbies were basically watching them being caught up on the rest of the cast through you know being told about things or whatever as opposed to just seeing them being them it's like half their conversations are like being told about what margaret's like or being told about the history of this and i think that's kind of hard for them i think they're doing quite a good job of navigating it though but i will say i mean now that there's been seven episodes or eight episodes, I think I, I can say this legally, but 
I really do not like the new Danielle girl. Like, I'm just, I'm not feeling her. Like, maybe she's going to have a resentment, a resentment, redemption moment. But I'm just like, running away when you get angry at every turn is not going to keep you on this show. It's not the way to, it's not the way to, to behave. I would not be surprised if after these episodes, a producer has had a word with her and basically said, you're not going to make it in this show if you continue to run away from every single confrontation into the minivan or whatever and then talk about it later (laughs) wait not to be dumb but like when did she run away aside from on the newest episode did that happen prior yes so there was the time at the party that she left because which party she left the shore party, Melissa and Joe's party, because she they, she was like, my, my name is in everybody's mouth. And then she like stormed off. Okay. Because I obviously what happened with the Fudas event, I remember. I don't remember her storming off. Yes. Yeah, so at Joe and that. Melissa's beach party, okay. they were all talking about her brother and like Got how, it. Got how it. That, that didn't really add up, which obviously it doesn't. And then... <laughs> she then she then like grabbed her husband who was like looked like he Got was it. being held captive grabbed him <laughs> grabbed him off and they went and sat on these plastic deck chairs by the pool and then she was like my name's in everybody's mouth and then melissa because she's you know a reality star came running over to tell her everything that everybody was saying about her despite the fact that she had been partaking in the conversation then <laughs> she then grabbed Teresa and Jen and their husbands and then they all left in the sprint event straight after that. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. And now So I there's been two episodes in a row where she's kind of left. And I'm like, you know, you can do that once or twice, but she's really like, like, you know, used up her quota of storming off. I think unless you're Meredith Marks, you can't get away with disengaging that often, you know? Otherwise, I, mean, I don't think Meredith can get in. Uh, she has an iconic moment, but I don't even think she can get away with it. I don't think she should get away with it. And anymore. you know what else annoys me? When a housewife comes on the show and like instantly, like in within like their first episode mentions like their business and stuff. I just like that puts that gives me the like a little bit of the ick. It's like, oh, so you're coming on this show to promote your like janky children's business, you know, like whatever it is. And I'm sorry, I watched her YouTube videos and I can see why her brother disowned her over them. They're so oh embarrassing. Really? I would I would block really? too. I would block her on Instagram too. For real. They have you watched them? You know I haven't had the okay. opportunity or Res- the pleasure. Reserve judgment until you've watched them. Honestly, the whole thing made a lot more sense after I watched her videos. Wait a second. When we're we're having a conversation about housewives authenticity, you wrote a beautiful piece for the Rolling Stone about housewives and authenticity. What if she's authentically bad at social? Don't we want that? Don't we want women who right. she's showing up with full glam? Like if the real elements of her is like, you know, fucking around and finding out on social media, isn't that a good thing that she's like bad at whatever? Don't we want that? I accept the point. However, just because someone's authentic, that doesn't mean I have to love like their personality. You know what I mean? No, no, no. It's not about loving it, but it's about, uh, you know, an appreciation potentially for housewives who come in who are still human people before they are broke, before that shell is broken and the Bravo Leb, you know. Yeah. Well, actually, so you know, in the on this very topic with with this person as well. One thing that I found really interesting was in the mid-season trailer, how it's the trip to Ireland, it looks like, and um, Danielle and Marge seem to get into a big argument or about something. And she goes, 
I'm the new Danielle or something like that, which I thought was really interesting because we have never heard a housewife say on the actual show, like not the reunion or anything like that, like on the show, I've watched this show before. So I thought that was really interesting because normally Andy asks a new housewife at their reunion, like, did you watch the show? And they're always like, no. And I'm like, as if you definitely watched the show, despite trying to get on it for years. So what I thought was interesting, I thought that was coming perilously close to saying, I don't like you because I've watched the show and I don't like how you've been. Like, that's basically what I took from, I mean, we have to see it in its proper context, of course, but I think referencing a character or a person, obviously, a character from the show, <laughs> <laughs> a person who was on the show before Hello. you were on the show. I know, referencing a person who was on the show before you were on the show is is quite uh, an interesting move, I think. But you're right. I mean, honestly... She does seem to be offended. I did also speak to somebody who said that they saw another reality show that she was on like years ago. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. True a, Life. I yeah. live on Staten Island or something. Yeah. Like going to the beach or whatever. Yeah, and apparently she's like exactly the same in that. So I will. God bless. I will, you know, give her her dues that you're right. She does seem to be kind of authentic. However, I mean, honestly, I think Jersey is quite an authentic show at the moment. I'm not, I don't have that many worries about this sort of authenticity on New Jersey. In the piece um, that you, I met, wrote that you mentioned, I did say that Miami and New Jersey are kind of shows that I think are doing well in that regard at the moment. And I think Potomac had an interesting crisis with the Robin Dixon situation and, you know, sharing Juan's alleged infidelities on the Patreon, I think sort of hurt the authenticity of that show a little bit um, and has dented the viewer trust in it. I think that Salt Lake City, not to drag Salt Lake City too much, but it's the show that has really been the least authentic for me um but then at the same time if heather and whitney are having these big arguments on girls trip about all this stuff to do with the show like that is kind of authentic but it's like kind of annoying and repetitive but it does seem like they really do they really are pissed off with each other about about all this stuff this is the thing about housewives it's hard is that you know in in actual friendships if you're upset with someone or pissed off with someone you might you know send them a long text (laughs) <laughs> and then and then unsend it <laughs> you might you know and you hash it out but like if you don't agree you kind of either like agree to move on or you like just cut the cord really and then you never really so it's like it's a lot more simple but on housewives they're like almost fighting against the structure of the show because it's an inauthentic structure right like you wouldn't exist in a situation where you basically had to run into someone all the time and get because unless i mean unless you're falling out with a friend at your actual job that's probably the closest thing to it but or a family member where you're forced to see each other or a family member which is maybe why new jersey feels like a little bit more authentic because yeah fighting with family is something that we all kind of and then being forced to see them is something that we can all maybe relate to a little bit more because most of us if we just don't like a friend that much we'll just like not see them whereas like they don't really have that option on housewives like you can maybe skip an event or two but like you're still gonna have to see them at the reunion you're still gonna have to see them at BravoCon. you're still gonna have to like deal with their fans and like what they're posting about you on social media so it's not they're almost fighting against trying to be authentic in a situation that is fundamentally inauthentic so it's kind of hard to judge them in too much of a high standard but I think Beverly Hills gets a kind of bad rap, to be honest with you. Fans are always complaining about Beverly Hills and, like, Beverly Hills being boring or Beverly Hills, like, going over the same thing. But, like, honestly, on all of these shows, they go over the same arguments often because that's the way the shows are structured. Like, I don't necessarily feel like 
Beverly Hills spends way more time on something than New Jersey. I mean, we've been following this Teresa and the Corvus fight for like 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? It's just just how it is. Yeah, but I feel like the, I don't know that I, that comparison though with Teresa and Melissa, the idea of them not letting things go or or not being able to because they live currently in this toxic shared space to me is different than Kyle, who I do love, but being like, so about that thing that you whispered six years ago, <laughs> let's talk about it. Or remember what happened at that dinner the week before? It's it, that's not quite... I don't think it's quite apple so, to No, apples. I agree with you. I don't, but I think what you're saying there is, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not necessarily the rehashing. It's the threshold with which they rehash. So I think that it's I like- I think it's both. I think it's like that one comment that you made that upset me being rehashed for like five episodes on Beverly Hills that upsets people. Whereas on New Jersey, it's like, you tried to destroy my family and my business and blah, blah, blah for like- Your mom is a whore. Yeah, like it's like a whole- <laughs> It's a whole other level. So maybe maybe it's the Beverly Hills is too has too low a threshold for like that sort of situation. But maybe that is just a kind of cultural I mean, maybe you're more placed to answer this than me, but is that like representative of maybe how people would be in like sort of upper class Californian society? Like Well, as a member of upper class California. As an American. Okay, got it. I was like, um, you might want to check. As my an American, board. I'm like, is yeah. that how people in Beverly Hills would be? Like, you know, it seems like it does say something about those women that they're, they're, you know, they hold on to things and they get upset by presume like sort of small things. It that does seem like it's maybe a quirk of Beverly Hills. Well, I think the whole seeming structure or end result of Housewives with this look at life in the gated communities, the connective thread there is that to me, it's not necessarily because you're living in a hoity-toity environment because you're in a uh, you're a bajillionaire in California or whatever it is, Hollywood style Beverly Hills, that you would behave in a specific way. I think the grounding foundation of Housewives is sometimes we all fucking suck. Sometimes we all have our defenses and our triggers and our appreciation that's one-sided for each other that's not specific to a certain socioeconomic status, but is in fact an example of the ways that we are, at the end of the day, all broken people trying to get by or trying to push forward our own favoritism or vengefulness or frustration or whatever else. Like, I think that is what has carried the day. And often the reason that some of us connect with housewives is like the idea of looking at someone in that hoity-toity environment and thinking to ourselves, wow, they might have like more fucking money than I would know what to do with, except give me an hour and I'll come up with something. But they might be in this kind of escapist world, but look how poorly they're behaving. Mm. So I, you know trying to figure out how the rent is paid. But you know what? I would never throw a leg at <laughs> uh, on a table at Le Cirque. Like, there's the, there is that kind of dichotomy Absolutely. here that takes place that I think is what uh, enables us to continue finding new ways to keep ourselves invested. Speaking of broken people, I'm kind of obsessed with... <laughs> I'm obsessed with... Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm obs- I'm obsessed with Vanderpump rules in this canon of like the threshold of behavior because every time I watch, sometimes I watch, um, cause I'm in the UK. So, um, 
we watch on Hey You mostly, which is kind of like the day mm. after. Um, so sometimes I'll end up, and sometimes I'll end up watching like A Housewives followed by Vanderpump Rules every week, just depending on how my week is going. And every time, I'm always just like so taken aback by how brutal Vanderpump Rules is compared to Housewives. Like the sort of desperation factor plus, I don't know if it's an age thing or whether it's, I don't honestly don't really know, but the confessionals and the things that they say about each other are like just turned up. Like, I think if James Kennedy was on her, like James Kennedy would not survive on Housewives. He would be like booted off like so quickly. But for some reason on Vanderpump Rules, the behavior is like just allowed to, it's like there's no, it's like no, no limits to how they're allowed to speak about each other. Well, I don't think it's age because Rachel Fuda is probably a decade younger than Tom Sandoval. So I, I think it's I, I genuine, but like genuinely, though, I think it's like 31, 41. Nobody knows how old Tom Sandoval really no. is, though. So it's the great mystery of our time. I mean, here at Andy's Girls, we embrace a lifestyle that does include as a central focus being spiritually mid-20s plus. So on that note, it's probably the only thing that Sandoval and I will agree on for the rest of time. But I think it's more environment. I think it's more environmental because the show started as a specific group of very toxic friends. So when the foundation is like, fuck up and find out, I think that that is going to continue. And the problem for Vanderpump Rules has been in past seasons where that doesn't happen. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think right now, I mean, the James of it all, Ariana was not in the mood to see him continue his uh, unfortunate behavior. So I think there is probably some sort of friction taking place. And some of that friction might be some of these people growing up or changing and evolving. I see that with Lala and James, where Lala's like, you're not to use the phrase you're too old for this, but like the phrase of you should be too grown for this, maybe. Like, mm. I know where you are because I was in that place, but why are you still there? I am going to just say this from the outset that, and this is not going to be a popular opinion, but oh, awesome. I love Lala. I've always loved her. I think she's my favorite person on that show. And I've never, ever... So I honestly think this might be a cultural thing. And this, as a British person, something I don't quite get. is like the fact that it always comes back to how she stole Randall off. Like, it always comes back off to the mistress issue with Lala. On Twitter or wherever you see the show being discussed, literally Lala can do anything. And then it's like, I can't believe she did this when she stole the, like it, it, it's like people are obsessed with it. Like in a way that makes me feel like it's honestly a little bit unhealthy. Like it's like, to me in this, in my country, like uh, that wouldn't be as much of a big of a deal. I don't know. Like people are just like obsessed with the fact that Randall was married. Like I, and I just feel like it's blinded people to a lot of the good things about her. And the fact that, she has really clearly grown up a lot, even since the whole Randall psychodrama happened. Like, I think that the growth we're seeing in her on this season is like very clear in terms of how she seemed genuinely, speaking of authentic moments, genuinely very contrite towards Brock in the, you know, when they had lunch. I thought that was a really beautiful scene. That was very meaningful. I thought it was was very meaningful. And like, I thought that they came to like such a perfect respect, like resolution to that situation Mm. with that he was, I thought it was so generous of him to say, you know, you actually might have helped 
start a dialogue or like put something in motion and like sort of actually give her that despite the fact that that's probably not how she was approaching it at the time and I thought that really it did probably should have been brought up but not in the way that she brought it up and that she basically made like was hell-bent on like sort of going for him which I think you know all the allegations and whatnot aside it's kind of like we forget that he was like new to tv like like that must have been like absolutely horrific like to then be waiting for seeing how that was all going to be shown on television and that that's what people were gonna think about you so I thought that that scene was really nice how they came to that resolution of I'm glad you brought it up but I'm sorry for how I brought it up and I thought that like the tears and everything like it's so rare to see like that type of emotion on reality tv full stop i think where you're like actually finding yourself like a little bit moved by it so i thought that was really nice but yes and i i just don't think that that's the type of moment we would have gotten a few years ago and i think that also what people don't understand with lala is or that they don't seem to want to see is that you know she was essentially like an addict for years on this show and like her behavior i'm honestly not sure it's fair to judge an addict like super super harshly on behavior that they did when they were like under the influence of low like alcohol and whatnot like to the extent where it was like ruining their life you know she's sober now and I think that we can definitely see that she has grown up by being a mother so I'm definitely team Lala in this situation and I think it must be kind of hard for her to be around James you were saying like you know seeing someone I kind of felt that in this week's episode like seeing seeing someone who's kind of like, as she said, she said something like, you know, when someone goes back to drinking and she that gives her a worry and it must be kind of hard to be trying to stay sober in a quite a stressful situation she's in and then be seeing someone who's like, you know, stepped away from sobriety in that way and is maybe behaving a little bit erratically. I think that must be kind of challenging. I think when it comes to addiction and I don't know the specifics relating to you know, each individual step. But I do believe that there is a step of having a conversation and taking accountability for their behavior. And I think, you know, people can have empathy and understanding and potentially more education around what Lala experienced without removing accountability mm. for behavior that she exhibited. Because I think if she, and that starts with I think Lala herself which she has done I think like holding herself accountable including of those moments is an important part of I think that journey of the recovery journey so I wouldn't want to uh take that away from her and also take away the harm and I don't mean specific to like the uh Randall, you know, inciting incident of how their relationship began. But I do mean of other instances of her exhibiting potential reckless behavior. Um, I, I would want to just like leave room for the fact that she can and has held herself responsible for those moments and can continue to do so while being sober, you know, like yeah. taking responsibility for her behavior. No, I totally now. agree. I think that like. I'm not saying we have to write off all her behavior, but I just don't see like having an understanding of where she I don't was. see yeah, any 100%. like I mean, I know that I'm maybe not using the best um the best like focus group or whatever, but when I go on social media, when I go on Twitter, I don't really see anyone acknowledging that at all with and the fact that she's being sober in this group of people who are intoxicated a lot of the time, I think that she has 
so far handled that quite well and i think that like honestly maybe this is getting quite dark but i also think that we need to think about the fact that raquel and james's relationship sounds like there's a whole lot there there's a whole lot there that we do not know about i mean some of the things she said on the show allude to like extremely not normal relationship dynamics and like i want to say you know controlling behavior and i think that what we verbally seen, maybe verbally, verbally abusive. abusive yeah and we're yeah. seeing like basically Very someone i mean absolutely i'm gonna say just for the record this is no way an excuse for how she has behaved with the whole tom schwartz or tom sandoval like situation but i can sort of see and i really felt it in that girl's trip where it was like i sort of felt like i was watching someone who was like really traumatized like and we've got to think like we were just talking earlier about how unnatural it is not being not being not getting away from someone because you're filming with them which obviously they're making the choice to be paid to do that and still stay on the show but i think james and raquel being in close quarters with one another is sort of sending them both over the like off the deep end a little bit like james we can see how uncomfortable he is when raquel is around and like how much his behavior seems to change when she's around and how he becomes kind of like erratic and angry and then seems Mm -hmm. to drink and goes on a bit of a downward spiral like Raquel sitting there right at the table when he's like making a complete idiot of himself with Ariana like I was just like cringing for him because I was like this this is just like the type of James you should have like not decided to be on this trip like this should have been your trip for like I'm so thriving I'm moving on like I'm happy like not I'm gonna be exactly who I was five years ago but maybe even worse with a new girlfriend um but then with Raquel I'm sort of like she's also I think being affected by her proximity to James and filming again with him and I think that we can sort of see that it is influencing her behavior a little bit as well and I think if you've been in a relationship with someone that you maybe didn't understand was so bad until you got out of it then being filming with them and then them exhibiting these kind of like quite aggressive outbursts of behavior I can imagine being a very difficult experience and I'm not at all defending her later behavior but I just think that the fact that no one's commenting on the fact that she was like considering leaving him via a note because she didn't want him to be around like that's not normal like I'm sorry but it's not well it's unfortunate I don't know about the level of normalcy I think it's uh it is an indicator of how unhealthy and toxic and possibly for her I think of this as a generalized and not specific, but like unsafe for her to feel like she couldn't have a she couldn't have a healthy, safe parting of the ways that something there is a lot of darkness underneath that. I also think Vanderpump is set up to create the most possible toxic environments ever in a way that like on Housewives, you know, they live in the bubble, they hate each other, they have to film. But if your husband leaves you, right? Or you leave them or you're getting a divorce or like you excise your sister from your life, that person doesn't typically continue filming. They might do a one-on-one with 
Andy on Watch What Happens. Like they might do something else. They will certainly continue to say stuff in the press and maybe there will be a guy's night where they can attend in that way, but they're not going to be the sole focus of a show moving forward. And Vanderpump to me is the opposite. It's like you're not going to be able to have any kind of normalcy and disassociating if that is in fact something that you're interested Mm. in doing. Because when you get in, it's like mafia style. Like you just can't, Unless you quit the show, unless you yourself quit the show, leaving a relationship does not mean that that person is necessarily leaving the cast. I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. 
yeah. unless you leave the cast. It's it is it is a tangled web. I think the clarification from normal to healthy is totally accurate and applicable to like I guess regular people's relationships. Um, but yes, the what becomes definitely abnormal is like the idea of leaving your boyfriend via a note because you didn't want him to come home and scream at you or whatever. And then you have to continue filming with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like like that is just so it's ridiculous. Wild. And I think it's so interesting what you just said there about I think Housewives makes me ask a central question of myself quite often, which is like, why why do I like watching these shows? Um, why is it such a passion of mine? Um, when, you know, people that maybe aren't as into it as us don't understand the sort of layers to it. So to them, it may seem like we just like watching women screaming at each other and like all the rest of it. Um, and Vanderpump Rules asks makes me also ask that question, but there's a sort of slight sadisticness about it because... It's almost like the more unhappy these people are, the like higher the ratings are and the more like the the more obsessed the fans are with these shows. Like I honestly don't think that if Katie and Tom had got, I think if Katie and Tom had not got divorced in the off season or announced their divorce in the off season and then the whole Raquel kissing rumor, I think this show may not have been renewed. Like it was so in such a bad shape after it and the ratings were so low in it's COVID season for a whole bunch of reasons, not least COVID itself, which I think made the filming process really hard, but it was not in a good place. And it's like almost like that injection of drama, but also like heartbreak has sort of reinvigorated it. But then now with this whole scandal thing, it's almost like people can't wait to see, including myself, by the way, not just like people, the people. Um, <laughs> the people. We the people. We can't wait to see, you know, those scenes that are going to be like absolutely astonishingly heart-wrenching. But it's like, I think Vanderpump Rules, as I said, has kind of always thrived on this sense of like desperation. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the same. Housewives, I feel like it's a specific desperation to stay on the show for another season. But I think Vanderpump Rules, especially like the sort of ode... I don't necessarily, the, the cast changes so much. There isn't a, such a cast change every season on Vanderpump Rules. You know, we Jax and um, Brittany obviously were, I think, either let go or left. But um, apart from, and then there was Kristen and Stassi, but that was very much a response to a controversy. So um, aside from that, there, there aren't like huge, you know, it's not really common for people to be let go and stuff on that show. So I wouldn't say it's a desperation around staying on the show because I think people like James and Lala kind of know that as long as this show is going they will be a part of it but it's definitely like a desperation just for like general general fame I think that it was it's such an interesting show because it got these people like right at that time where like you know if you're working as a waiter or a bartender in LA and you're like 32 you know you're not maybe getting auditions for, you know, the roles that you were. And it sort of caught these people who were like desperate to be famous in, you know, music or acting or whatever, right at this point where they maybe had started to feel like it wasn't going to happen for them. So it's sort of like mm -hmm. fueled by their desperation. And that's sort of what's carried it through. And it's been really interesting watching the show change from a show where they were like almost couldn't believe their luck slash new to reality TV to then when it became like they couldn't really pretend they were working at the restaurants and like, you know, it was all a bit awkward. And now it's kind of like this show that's sort of gone beyond the businesses. What I'm absolutely obsessed with is how little Lisa Vanderpump is in this season of <laughs> Vanderpump Rules. 
She's doing a great job, though. It's a good season for her. I it think is a good season. I basically sass. think the less I see of Lisa Vanderpump on this show, the better this show is. Because honestly, I know this is... Don't get me wrong. I'm not an LVP fan. I'm just going to be honest about that. But I do appreciate how amazing she is at being a reality star. And I yes. do appreciate how funny she is. And I appreciate that she's a mastermind, like a genius. I mean, she came up with this show. So thank goodness for Lisa Vanderpump in that way. However, whenever I see her on this show now, I kind of sigh a little inside because it means that there's about to be a really inauthentic, inauthentic moment, like Kelly Benson would say. It means that there's about to be a scene which is completely, basically scripted and like that she's there to like deliver, bring up a certain thing that she's been told by producers to bring up or um yeah like do something mischievous and i'm just a bit like i don't know if these people need that anymore they may have needed that in the past when it was like she was their concerned boss like type situation but now it's a bit like you really think she'd be going to lunch with james like all these kind of almost like i said earlier about like insulting the viewers intelligence and i think lvp's involvement in that show now when it's not like in very specific circumstances tends to insult my intelligence a little bit because I do not believe that she would be like hanging out with this like 30 something you know you know what I mean and it's very like you know I mean she's not delivering those lines like she used to the Vegas Oliver introduction was one of the most clunky things I've ever seen on Bravo I mean it was like he was introduced about four times by different cast members and they just like kept it all in like we get it you want him to be in this episode of the show like I didn't need to be told four times who Oliver was and asked if everyone had met Oliver like three times by different cast members like I get it he's Garcelle's son who just so happens to be miked and waiting on this table um it was just like extremely patronizing as Americans would say um (laughs) but so yeah when I see LVP I do tend to sigh a little bit I'm like oh god what's 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 this gonna be about but I do understand that it'd be kind of weird to have Vanderpump rules without the Vanderpump but yeah, I'd be honestly up for like, you know, there was a while ago, there was those rumors that it was going to be like rebranded as like Vanderpump Valley or like, like they were going to do a spinoff of Valley. Yeah. Village or spin-off. like some sort of like other show that was going to be like away, like death, like away from the restaurants entirely. Um, so I'm kind of glad they didn't do that and just decided to minimize Sir's like hold on the whole thing. Right. I feel like Lisa must be furious about how much airtime the businesses that aren't hers are getting like how james was so funny in this week's episode when he was like how many openings do we need to have like how many like like (laughs) it was literally like it was like the fourth opening or something of this place like i literally just like couldn't i was like 100 thinking it like what they're here like they're doing another toast to this business that isn't even open like i just like thought it was completely hilarious um but yeah i think lisa must be like you know a little a little bit like where's where's sir but i guess sir's kind of like had its you know everyone knows everyone knows sir now but um yeah i think that lisa will sort of always have a role in that show i want to ask you do you think that she will go back to beverly hills i really have no idea and do you hope that she does I have no idea i don't i i have no idea of how i feel i think it will be dependent on the cast and I think the worst case scenario would be for Lisa to return if God forbid 
Kyle left. I think we need to learn here from the Bethany Jill of it all. And sometimes when lightning strikes, you got to harness it. And I don't I think a a reset and new generation of Beverly Hills would be the worst case scenario. I think if she returns, do the thing that will make her uncomfortable, force her to film with Kyle, which, again, is like the idea of this like artificial universe. But but within that bubble of like, well, typically, if you ended a friendship with a friend, you wouldn't see them the next week for lunch. This is where some of those. Um, authentic moments can take place because we know that there's a lot of very real frustration and anger there. And I would like to watch that play out. I completely agree. I also have another question for you. On Ultimate Girls Trip this season, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is there anyone who you're seeing like a different, like you're having your mind changed on either for the better or worse compared to like how you saw them on their show? Such a good question. I would say it's not a new feeling, but a continuation. I think that we are living in the time of Candace's renaissance period. And I do think she is the breakout of this. And while I think a lot of us are really happy and excited that um, Portia is back on Bravo, I think Candace here from, you know, that conversation, which I actually understood, honestly, Candace's perspective of the difference between Monique using Portia as a proxy and Giselle speaking on Candace's behalf, but not necessarily using Candace in that way. Like Monique called Portia. Portia repeated what Monique told her. Giselle was there and was a great counter for the wine incident and was a great counter, but it's not like Candace called Giselle and said, here's what I want you to get across, or here's a conversation between you and I, and subconsciously I know lurking underneath here is the fact that you might talk about it on your chat show. Like I I, I genuinely understood what Candace was saying, and I also understood why Giselle would be like, what the fuck, you're not like valuing at all the fact that I, I stood up for you. But anyway, all this to say, I, I think Candace is having a great season. I think I am on a different note, sort of more confused, not even confused. I'm, yeah, I'm a little befuddled. Maybe we'll, we'll use confused. I'm a little confused as to what Leah's goal was to come on Girls Trip. Um, noting that regardless of what it can be, listen, we at the end of the day really don't have control over how we might be feeling. And if she came into the show and was just kind of feeling a certain way and then felt isolated, I can certainly appreciate why that feeling wouldn't continue. I Sorry, why that feeling, I can certainly appreciate why that feeling would continue. I just think it's, um, I think it's probably unfortunate that uh, she seems to be, um, uncomfortable I don't mean that in any way as a critique but just to say that something is slightly off kilter there and maybe it's because she didn't have she didn't have Tinsley she didn't have I a member of the cast to come on with that Leah is actually my redemption moment I, oh good I'm, oh I'm interesting enjoy, I'm enjoying Leah on this um trip I'm enjoying her and Candace's friendship which mm. is kind Same. of like one of those friendships which actually makes complete sense when you put them Same. together Agreed. because they're both Agreed. kind of like raised rich like kind of like similar age like i can so see why they're fr- like why they get on um but yeah no i'm quite enjoying i'm really enjoying the potomac women on girls trip like they're just 
constantly raising the bar for the other wives. Um, and I think that Leah is probably the one that I've changed my mind on the most because mm. I mean, her last, I, I really liked her first season on New York. Um, and then I do think, yeah, she became kind of, I mean, that season, I mean, we could talk about this a whole other episode, but the last season of New York was not a good season for anybody. I've never really understood, sort of like Lala, maybe this is my problem. I've never really understood like the the real fan hate towards Leah. Like if you, on social media, they, like there's a lot of dislike of her. Really, Like she's really very, strong. very unpopular, which I've never really quite got as like, why? Like, like I, I think she, it's fine to find someone annoying and like find her a bit too much or whatever, but... I've never, there seems to be like a real strong dislike for her that I've never really quite been able to justify in what I've seen, which is kind of how I feel about Lala as well. Like it doesn't quite, it doesn't feel, it feels a little bit disproportionate. So I'm kind of happy to see her showing that she doesn't have to be like so much. Like I feel like- Totally agree. She's being a little bit more laid back and maybe- well, I mean, she's gotten into I'm it. I'm giving a face. I, I think she's more laid back, but I also see a sadness with her that yeah. makes me feel sad for her. It's in no way, I do not say that in any way as a judgment, but just to say that, like, I think she's experiencing or going through mm. something and well, one thing um, I thought was, it's affecting her. One thing I thought was fascinating was when they asked her about the future of her show, like around the breakfast table. Yeah. And it's almost, it kind of got, um, comes back to what I was saying about like survivor and longevity and stuff mm. is that like in that context, she kind of appeared quite vulnerable because, you know, she's only been on two seasons of New York and which at that time it was completely unclear what's going on with the show and what her future, what the show's future and what her future was. So she was kind of like in this very vulnerable moment with her Bravo, like an uncertain moment with her involvement in the Housewives franchise so um, it was kind of interesting to see how that made her seem a bit vulnerable in the group because she was the only one that, I mean, Portia's not on the show, but she's sort of got sort of this, you know, celebrity big status within the group because yeah, they're so obsessed with her. So right. they're like, she's a greatest of all time level housewife. So she doesn't really count, I feel like. So Leah was really the only one who wasn't on her show. So I think, I don't know, like... I don't necessarily think she's like sad. I just think that she maybe felt like it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like how girls trip can be like this path to redemption for people. And I think that maybe she was hoping this was going to be her big like chance to be like, like liked and like also around women that aren't on her show to like, forge those bonds and I guess she has done with Candace and I don't think there's any like huge bad blood towards her in the group but maybe she was sensing that she was being made into a villain again so it was just like no not not again like I don't want this to happen to me again like after like I think honestly when you're a housewife it must be quite bad to have a bad season like don't you think like you know when someone's having a season where they're like the villain of the or like not even the villain but like the one that everyone just really doesn't like like Heather Gay's most recent season on Sully's like she somehow came out of it the villain compared to someone that got sent to jail for six and a half years for defrauding the elderly that's how annoying she was in season three so somehow she came out of it looking worse than Jen Shah um but it must be kind of hard when that like it must be it's kind of why I find it so fascinating that they still go back every year like the the fame and the money and everything must be so and the relevance and all that must be so 
good that even after like the worst season on the show, these women get back up, put their microphone on and get back in the confessional chair because it must all just be worth it. Like, or maybe it's the chance at redemption, like the chance to have a good season. I mean, Candace had like four bad seasons in a row and then, and then now she's having this, as you say, Candace moment. So. <laughs> Wait, I'm using that forever. Um, Yeah, I think it's also, uh, listen, if you wait long enough, a person can reveal themselves. And, you know, trigger warning if you're a Heather Superstan, which I can certainly appreciate, but, um, and also if you only want to see Candace as bad, uh, trigger warning for that too. But I think the reveal that's often so interesting is sometimes these women come onto the show and we anoint them as like the one true God who rises above the rest, either mm-hmm. because we connect with them, we stand them, we appreciate them, they add something different or something that feels as Housewives goes on, deeply connected to us, um, which is all fine and good. We love who we love, but oftentimes, sometimes, over time, they will reveal themselves to be different from that. Maybe they are, in the ways that we are all complicated, They, all of these people are as well. Some of that complication is, though, specific to uh, the persona we thought they were, which is sort of different than the person, and then maybe someone else, which I think can be upsetting to some of us because it's like, wait, I fell in love with who you were season one or who you were season three. Now you're showing me a totally different person. So was season one, three a lie? Or is this just another facet of who you are that I either feel disconnected from or truly cannot vibe with. And with Heather, I think that there has been a little bit of a reveal here for some of us of the fact that like, wow, the way that she behaved on the most recent season to me, my personal opinion feels very disconnected from the love and appreciation that I had for her before. So either I can make room for that in her being more complicated in ways that makes me uncomfortable or upset, or I just kind of like, move on and not know which Heather I'm getting next season. With Candace, I had an immediate appreciation for her. Stuff got complicated. I kind of had to disconnect and disassociate. And what she is revealing to me is like someone I can't help but appreciate and respect who is to me more thoughtful and um, honestly in some ways more generous than I had given her credit for. So like it's the flip side of the coin with those two women and examples who just so happen to continue to me, show me the things that are new to me. With Candace, it's like a renewed appreciation and respect for her in many ways. And with Heather, I'm like watching this thinking like there is stuff here that makes me feel uncomfortable and frustrated. But it doesn't mean it's untrue. I just get the pleasure or opportunity to decide, is this a truth that um, either fits within the narrative that I want to continue to feel about this person, or is this a truth that I can accept? And I think that's ultimately the issue that people have with certain housewives that we either stand with or don't want to fuck with is like, will I accept this truth as real, especially if it's in conflict with one I felt prior? And that's like the ultimate, mm. you know, housewives conundrum. It's thinking of these women as human people. I love that way of thinking about it. 
And I think what we were just talking about, about um, how difficult it must be having a bad season and responding to that. But on the flip side of that, I think it can be equally almost damaging in some ways when housewives get too high on their own supply and they become the fan favorite. I think that that can also send people off the deep end a little bit. And I think that's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say Heather was like a runaway favorite on Salt Lake City, but I do think that she was someone who was loved by the fans. I would say she was a runaway yeah, favorite, 100%. She was a, she was, and I think when you go through your life, like she's had a really, difficult. really difficult time being essentially raised in an institution which told her like almost everything about her being or her choices that she made was wrong. To then go on a show where then you suddenly have loads of fans saying you're amazing. Where you're celebrated for that behavior that prior isolated you from your loved ones and friends. So like in a way, how could that not have changed her, you know? Uh, But equally, what I think is interesting about Girls Trip is that you can have those types of conversations. Whereas in the show, it's less you couldn't really have that type of a conversation maybe not at a reunion you could like the show has changed you blah blah we've had those conversations before but i think girls trip there's more space for that um i definitely think i agree with you with what you said with heather where it's like maybe we don't have to live in either world with her like i think bethany frankel interviewed hillary clinton years ago on her podcast well like a couple of years ago on just be with bethany and i listened to it and she said something to hillary about like i feel like i can't remember the exact wording but it was like i feel like you don't live in the 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 worship or the hate like you don't live you're not you're not you don't think that all the best things people that say about you are 100 true and you don't think that all the worst things people say about you 100 true and hillary sort of said something to the effect of yeah you've got to like not be swayed by either because like that can you know really like impair your judgment if you're in the public eye and you get too swayed by people saying good things or bad things about you i think it is the same with the housewife like i have this phrase that's maybe not like the most uh pc but it's like second season derangement syndrome which is like when a housewife just becomes basically not themselves on their second season because we love when they joined the show we loved them and they had something they did they felt so new and they didn't know what it was like to be on a tv show and all the rest of it and then suddenly they're they've got fans they may be getting business opportunities they're doing photo shoots they're on watch what happens live and then they they have changed. And I think that there's like so many examples, I mean, Leah included, to be honest with you, of Housewives that have had terrible second seasons on The Real Housewives because of this very thing. And maybe it's because they're living in too much of the hype. Like they've, they've, bought, too, they've bought into that too much. Like all the fans telling them how fabulous they are as maybe they've got high in their own supply. Yeah, I think it's the second season curse. I think to attach a a syndrome to it is amazing. (laughs) Honestly, I'm like that. That fits maybe more in the parallel of the Housewives universe. I'll start saying curse. But see, the thing is, though, is that like curse is interesting because it sounds a bit like it's something that's just happening to them for no. no But we want to. We don't want to remove the responsibility and choice. That's a great point. There's a real like sort of multifaceted nature of it that makes me think. That it's more, but me, you know, I agree to such a t- to attach a syndrome to it is possibly a little bit much, but um, it's definitely a thing. I mean, it's it, you, you know, in the years of watching the show, there's so many housewives that have fallen off on their second season. I think they say the first one's hard, and we've we've seen enough one and done housewives to know that's true. But the second one is the second hardest, I would say, because it's 
really like okay you're not new anymore and there might be a new new person so what do you really what do you really bring you are the perfect guest for Andy's girls because I feel like you get it you it's why, it to honestly, all the guests I don't trust me and I feel, <laughs> <laughs> um I I I feel like you know I always look to have writers on the pod especially ones whose work I respect and admire who really do the deep dive because I I appreciate that. And I also have to say, you know, I write in a particular voice because of my experience of watching Housewives as a woman, which is something that's not necessarily appreciated as someone who is a woman um, and is not queer. I really, really appreciate the perspective that you have brought to pieces, both in examining your own fascination with the Housewives universe, as well as like putting the queer lens on analysis of what, especially in the connection of why um, the LGBTQ community has been so celebratory of the Housewives universe, including people who don't identify as women. And I just want to say, as someone who has not had that lived experience and has my own, there's value in both. And I just really appreciate the way that you have written and spoken about the Housewives universe, because I think you have a lot of respect toward Housewives and toward the women whose lives we follow on the show. And we can kind of like, I think of AG as the place where we can kind of like put aside the bluster and some of the misogyny that's so typically attached to the idea of guilty pleasure viewing, mm-hmm. which is often used for women, majority women shows. Isn't that so funny? Is that so, I'm sure that's not related, right, to sexism. It just happens that we should feel guilty for this and not, you know, sports stuff. Um, and I just really appreciate that you come to the table without that being a part of it, or at least open to understanding the ways that it's so often connected. And I'm so happy to have had you on AG for the first of what I hope is dozens of trips via Zoom before you move here specifically and only to record AG in person inside the cloth. I just wanted to to thank you um, for, you know, for coming on the pod. It's not an easy podcast to come on, trust, because we get into the nitty gritty in a way that involves, I think, a lot of trust. So I just wanted to thanks for Thank you for coming on. Well, first of all, thank you so much. That was the nicest. I hope everyone one day gets a monologue said like that, <laughs> said like that about their work. That was the highest of compliments. But um, of course, and I really wanted to come on because I knew that this would be the place where we could talk about all of our most minutiae patterns. And honestly, I say this without irony. I have learned more about American society from watching <laughs> The Real Housewives than, oh God. A, than any other show or any other film or any other book or any other class I've taken at school. Um, and of course, it's not a guilty pleasure. I'm as, I feel as innocent walking, in, as innocent as Gwyneth Paltrow walking out of court mm. watching Housewives. It's, uh, it's not a guilty pleasure because it's obviously a lot more than, as we were saying earlier, it's a lot more than just women screaming at each other it's a whole it's a whole socio-political analysis and I think that you get that so that's why I wanted to come on yeah and it's the idea that like these watching these shows and talking about them can bring with it additional value that there can be conversations that take place that feel valuable vulnerable interesting to have um you know regardless sometimes of what 
challenges are thrown our way by the network or anything else. Listen, Louis Staples, tell the AGs, where can they follow you on social, including to read many of the recent pieces that you have written? And guys, I highly recommend in particular, though there are many that you've written, um, those two Rolling Stone pieces, both of which I really, really enjoyed um, enjoyed reading. Tell, tell the AGs, mention it all. So funny. Just side note, my dog just like drank like a liter of water out of her bowl. Like she's not drank any water all day and she was doing it like really loudly next to me. So Oh, I'm oh, into that. She's a thirsty girl. Um anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um so just like me, of course, for mm. followers, so please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Louis Staples, L-O-U-I-S, Louis. Um, spelt like Louis' son in Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, mm. And yeah, that's where I post all my work. Um, and then you can find, if you want to read my back stuff, there's like a link to all of that there as well. Can you believe, speaking of all things Louis, that we did not st- spend a single second on Pizzagate? Can you <laughs> even? Which, by the way, I'm going to be thinking about until forever. I actually, I think that's probably a good thing because much like that pizza, I haven't fully cooked how I'm feeling about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly don't think I've worn pajamas since I heard about his pajama thing. Like, I, my pajamas are just sitting there in my drawer. Like, I'm just too freaked out by them now. They, no. Any pajama now reminds me of Louis no, from no. New Jersey. So that his soon-to-be stepdaughters feel safe. <laughs> Joe's face, I've watched that moment so many times. Joe Gorka's face in that moment. That's honestly some of the best work that he's brought to Housewives. The expression on his face is iconic. It's when he said, do you know that? And I'm like, why would he know that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I literally, okay, you're coming back. We're going to do about 18 hours on um, the PJs and the pizza. That's a whole, we need a whole separate podcast on the pizza gay, the real pizza Well. Speaking of a whole separate podcast, guys, join the Andy's Girls Patreon. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more, including my live reaction to the Atlanta trailer, a supersized thesis style satchel from um, an incredible uh, AG who's also a licensed therapist who Patreon AGs know, uh, better known as Hannah from Chicago. Um, So send me your satchels of gold because they might be featured on upcoming Patreon episodes. Again, satchels of gold named in honor for holiness, Kelly Clorn Ben Simone, are your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewives. You can message them to me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Or if you have a super, super, super size satchel, email show at gmail.com. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to discuss them. And again, that bonus episode with the Atlanta live reaction and some of those super size satchels about New Jersey and girls trip and more, you can find at patreon.com slash girls. Oh my goodness. And also PS, about 20 Bravo accounts have come together to raise funds for every town for gun safety. So you can find a link to donate on my Instagram at Dame Galley. Louis Staples, thanks so much for coming on. This was a total pleasure. Um, and shout out Brian Moylan, who I told uh, you'd be coming on and was like, oh my God, that's going to be the longest episode with you two talking. And I was like, damn straight. Absolutely it is. Hell yeah. The first time I went for a drink with Brian, it was like Ramona being confronted with Heather Thompson, cutting her off. <laughs> I would, he was like, you do cut people off. 
It was awful. He couldn't get a word in edgewise. Oh, God. We need to do a throuple. We have to do a throuple episode, which is Brian just, like, yelling at us as we, as we you know, have a couple words to say. This is the podcast for that. Um, so shout out to Dame Brian. And on that note, guys, hope you're all doing okay. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.